Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The following program has been assessed a threat level red by the Department of Homeland Security.
Conservative Watchtower Radio is on the air. Where we keep watch over our Constitution, free markets, private property, and individual liberty. That's how America does it, and it's worked out pretty well so far. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. But that was... Awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate sinister entity that's at the root of all our problems. Some of these same voices also do their best to gum up the works. They'll warn that tyranny is always lurking just around the corner. You should reject these voices. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Now, here's your award-winning host, Dana Smearman. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. If you're looking for trouble, you came to the right place. If you're looking for trouble, just look right in my face. I was born standing up and talking back. My daddy was a green eyed mountain jack because I'm My middle name Well, I'm evil. So don't you mess around with me. Never looked for trouble, but I never ran. I don't take no orders, no kind of man. I'm only made out flesh, blood, and bone. But if you're gonna start a rumble, don't you try it all alone. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the conservative Watchtower Internet Radio Extravaganza, broadcasting, as always, from the conservative Watchtower studios here deep within the low country of South Carolina, where I do believe finally spring may have actually sprung. 
yes, we're seeing the signs out there. It could be the long winter coming to an end. I mean this is no disrespect to you who live way farther north than I do, who may still be experiencing the pains associated with winter. Uh, you have my sympathy, but I've had about enough, ready to get back out and enjoy some of the outdoors and outdoor activities. So glad you could all come and spend a little time with me here tonight. I know sometimes these shows are not as regular as they used to be. I remember a time when I was on twice a week, every week, and uh, even spend time on some other folks' programs. I had a lot more time on my hands then. But as you know, work intrudes. We must pay for the socialist utopia we find ourselves living in. You know, I have that family out there somewhere I haven't met, but I do need to pay for. And so we we find ourselves with responsibilities. As many of you have pointed out, I do believe it was our good brother G. Ski Rocks who's here with us tonight, that we are not all millionaire media moguls who have the ability to spend our free time, our full time, in our broadcasting endeavors. And so we are forced to do what we can, when we can. Sometimes it's a little frustrating, but we we fight on. We fight on. Tonight, as you can tell by the title of the show, I'm a little fed up with the grand old party. Yeah, I know that's surprising to many of you who come here regularly. In fact, we're going to pick on Karl Rove, the establishment. We're going to talk about what the hell does the Republican Party stand for? What should they stand for? And if you want to clean up the world, start with your own house. You know, I started looking around when I was thinking about this idea as a show and letting it kind of germinate in there and uh, saw some polling data on the status of government that uh, that tells you just how dissatisfied Americans are with their own government. Now, it doesn't shock many of you who come to these programs on a regular basis. Obviously, you're engaged. You understand what's going on around you. For those people out there who don't pay attention quite as much, for those folks out there who, you know, doing what they do, taking care of the families and, you know, really not engaged in the political side, they do, as I've said on many occasions, sense that something's wrong. There was a poll out recently that caught my eye, and it was... uh, the, 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 the article came from the Associated Press, and the title was Open. It says here that uh, major survey finds near low confidence in government. The story details the results of a 2014 general social survey, which tracks confidence in all three branches of government. When they track these results, they find that confidence in the three branches of government which to you folks out there is not state, local, federal. That's correct. No, actually, it is not. Uh, I heard that the other day once again, one of those YouTube videos where they asked these spring breakers about basic civics. Yeah, our society is going to hell in a handbasket. The story details the lack of 11% of those surveyed say they are confident in the president. Okay. Wow, really? Got 11% of people still confident in this president. Nevertheless, this approached a low of 10%. <laughs> I know, even lower, 10% in 1996. 
When asked about the Supreme Court, the respondents stated that only 26% were confident in the Supreme Court. In Congress, we find it's split up pretty much evenly amongst the different identification groups. Only 7% of Democrats have faith in Congress. Republicans, well, they're hanging out at about 13%. I don't know who the hell these people are. And independents, about 5% have any confidence in Congress. Now, that really is telling. We don't have confidence in the three branches of our government. We don't believe in government anymore. At least that's what this survey and many other surveys that I've seen recently seem to indicate. It's a, it's a problem. It's not a unique problem. It's certainly not the first time that this problem has reared its ugly head. We need only go back to the late 70s when we see the same kind of themes playing out. Apathy with the government, right? We saw surveys and magazine articles being written where American voters were not bothering to go to the polls anymore, a problem that we find here today. Many people choose to sit out elections. Now, at the time, the same problems were being identified. Voters couldn't really see a difference between the two major political parties. Once again, they had kind of morphed into this uniparty. They weren't standing apart. There was nothing that people could latch on to to say that this uh, party was different than another. Because of this, they lost faith in the system. Why bother going to the polls and voting when it really doesn't matter? History does repeat itself, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen, because we find ourselves in that position again. Why? Because the modern Republican Party, just like the Republican Party of the late 70s, cannot distinguish itself in any great way from their Democrat counterpoints. So what do we do? What do we do? If we're going to fight a battle against the entrenched left, and I think everybody here, except for maybe a few folks who might be listening, understand that the left is tearing away the fabric of our nation, of our society, of our founding. There's no doubt about that. As a matter of fact, they've become more brazen in recent days. We expect them to do this. That's who they are. That is what is at their nature. They dismiss our founding. They reject the Enlightenment. So we would expect that they would do these things. Why many of us have a problem, particularly those of us who have been in or supported the Republican Party, is that they are supposed to be the counterpoint, the opposition to the Democrat Party. We didn't expect those people from the party of Reagan and Goldwater to be the ones who would stab us in the back. We didn't expect it. We expected them to stand up and do the right thing. If you're going to fight a war, an ideological war, you've got to have your army mustered together. We as conservatives are fighting on two fronts. We fight the establishment, the Republicans. We fight the left. The Republicans seem just as interested in attacking we, the conservative base, Tea Party members, whomever you choose to identify with, as they are with attacking the Obama administration, their failed policies, the, the, the 
complete and utter disregard for the rule of law, they seem just as apt to attack us. Case in point, as many of you, I'm sure everybody does, Ted Cruz announced that he's running for president of the United States. Not a big surprise. I don't think to most people here, we expected that Ted was going to run for president. Now, I'm not turning this into a Ted Cruz for president program. I think everybody here who knows me or has been around this program for any length of time knows I support Ted Cruz, like Ted Cruz. Case in point, I've given to his campaign, especially when he was running for U.S. Senate back in the day. I gave to his campaign, I believe strongly, in many of the principles that he stands for. Not to say that this program becomes a Cruz for President program. What I'm saying is the reaction to Ted Cruz announcing he was going to run for president illustrates the point. I fully expected the kooks at MSNBC to do what they did, right? To paint him as a weirdo, an extremist, a man who wants to turn back the clock. Kick your cliche. I expected it. But now we see what happens when you have folks on Fox News, some of those people who represent what I call the Karl Rove wing of the Republican Party, what they did and what they have been saying and tweeting and putting out in social media since Ted Cruz has announced his candidacy. People like Charles Krauthammer, who supposedly is an intelligent man. Apparently he wasn't intelligent enough to support Ronald Reagan. He was too busy writing speeches for Walter Mondale. Right? But we're supposed to say what? We're supposed to believe that because Charles Krauthammer tells us that a candidate is not electable, that cannot, he's not qualified, quote-unquote, to be president, somehow we need to fall in line. Hitting the same notes, almost note for note, that the folks at MSNBC were talking about. You know, really, folks, <laughs> I mean, how far down the rabbit hole has this society gone when a man who announces he's running for president during his speech at Liberty University mentions the Constitution, limited government, the role of faith in our founding, a man who spoke up for traditional values, a man who spoke up for the need to have a strong America, a man who didn't stutter and find the words difficult when it came to stating his love for this society, suddenly that now is an extreme position. The extreme position. Not a president who thumbs his nose at the other branches of government, who rules by fiat, who told us yet again this week that he is going to work on income inequality. He will do it, quote-unquote, administratively if needed. No, that's not an extreme position. What's extreme is a man who talks about America being that shining city on a hill viciously attacked from the so-called right. Website after website telling us that he's not qualified to be president, asking what has he done, what is his qualifications. Now, I fully expect that people like Rand Paul, who is going to run for president, I fully expect the barbs going back and forth. That's what 
the primary process is all about. You want to be president? You've got to get through the primary. Of course, you're going to try to draw comparisons and distinctions with those running against you. I get that. That's politics. Understand it. It's the pundit class, particularly those on Fox News, becomes very troubling for me. It's obvious they, that Fox News has become the Jeb Bush network. Right? Because they are establishment types on that network. You can just, they're part of the old Bush administration. Carl Rowe pops up on there every 26 seconds with his damn whiteboard, right? So we know that they're firmly in the Jeb Bush camp. Got it? That's fine. You want to come out? You want to write op ed pieces? You want to opine for the, you know, the, the need to run Jeb Bush for president? Fine. But is it necessary to trash a man? who expels virtues of, 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 of a class of people who you are going to need, by the way, if you hope to win any office in 2016. A large swath of Americans who believe that this nation was founded on unalienable rights. That, in fact, Americans and America, I should say, is a very unique place. We are unique people. We are not the same as Europeans. We're not the same as anybody else. We have our own unique history and our own way of looking at things. Now, Ted Cruz, to me, extols some of those virtues. There is no perfect candidate. There's no perfect human being. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. What I am going to say, all right, is that I'm pretty sure that Ted Cruz throughout his career in the Senate thus far, I think has pretty much laid down his conservative street cred, so to speak. Okay? This is, this is the problem. We've got to clean up our own house. We've got to put some things in order. You know, I, I understand the frustration out there. I share that with you. I've been a lifelong Republican. We've been over this. Fired by Ronald Reagan in the 80s. I was inspired by his vision of America. I was inspired by the policies that he put forward. And I wanted to see that continue for the American people. For my children. For your children. What I'm seeing coming from the GOP establishment is what frustrates you and I. What steps have they taken since they were given power first in 2010 when we rose up and gave John Boehner the speakership of the House? And in this past election cycle, where many people went out, worked hard, went to the polls, and gave them the U.S. Senate. What have they done to check the unconstitutional power grabs of Barack Obama? I think we can sum it up by saying they haven't done jack shit. Can I say that? Yeah, I, I just checked. I can say that. It's like an ever-changing you know, goal line with these people. You know, first we heard we're just one half of one third of the government. We're going to need the Senate. Okay, we gave you the Senate. Well, you know, we need a filibuster for majority, uh, which I don't believe the Republicans have had since what? Coolidge? Okay? Somehow, when they're in the minority, the Democrats rule the day, and when they're in the majority, they rule the day. Because the Republicans are feckless. 
They don't know how to engage. And when one of them stands up like a Ted Cruz and shows them the way, they get pissed. Because you see many of them, many of them who are within the establishment like the status quo. They're afraid of the ideas that people like Reagan and Cruz put forward. They don't know how because they have no principles. They don't believe what you and I believe. They may speak of it during election cycles. They may run campaign ads. But when it comes right down to it, they don't believe in what you and I believe in. Time and time again, okay, the Republican leadership has worked with the Democrats to thwart conservatives. We now know with articles coming out that Nancy Pelosi has told her caucus, that being the Democrats, to support John Boehner for speaker no matter what. Because if there's going to be a conservative move against the speaker, we would rather have John Boehner because we can work with John Boehner. That's right. If the conservatives in the House do want to rise up, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats would side with, and this is usually unheard of, the sitting Speaker of the House, John Boehner. This is what frustrates people. This is why when you watch the news, read articles, this is why people tell us, I'm not going to go vote. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I vote for. These parties are the same. You've heard this time and time again. They're not wrong. Things have to change. If you're going to fight the entrenched left, we have got to come together, and we've got to take back the party of Ronald Reagan. You've got to clean up the mess inside. We've got to start listening to what's important and stop listening to talking heads. Please, someone, I've asked this question on multiple occasions. I've never, ever got an answer. Never got an answer. What the hell has Karl Rove ever done in his resume that would make you want to follow him in a political battle? What has he ever done? What has the so-called architect ever built? What has he done that would make us want to say, we follow Karl Rove? Answer, nothing. He enriches himself through the political process. Like many of the establishment types, he doesn't, he's not against big government. He just wants to be the one running it. He and those people attached to him who make money off of the system, off the consultant system, that's what he wants. He has no principles. He doesn't stand for issues. He doesn't stand for the Constitution. He stands for cronyism. I think it's a damn shame that when I get up every day and check out the news sites, I think I'm living out an episode of freaking House of Cards every day. Right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Story after story that comes out about these people and about what they're doing. We have given them power, and what have they chosen to do? Work with Democrats. Hey, let's find some way to fund this illegal amnesty that's going on. We've got to make sure we take care of our, our corporate masters who want another wave of cheap labor. 
How about the debt? How about the national debt? How about any serious work that's been done to combat that? Where's it been? Where's that work been done? Because I haven't seen that either. The world itself, very dangerous place as we can see, while our own president, through his surrogates, are meddling, I mean actively working against the leader of a foreign nation in an election, that being Benjamin Netanyahu, they sit on their hands. Oh, sure, they had Benjamin Netanyahu in for a speech. Sure, they did. But we come to find out that perhaps having Benjamin Netanyahu speak was not as much standing with Bibi and the democracy known as Israel in the Middle East and more to do with political gamesmanship. There was an article from Conservative HQ, and I've seen this in several places. I tend to think this is something we, we could say has at least a high probability of being true. It says here that Boehner used the Netanyahu speech as a cover because what he really wanted to do was he wanted to work with Nancy Pelosi. That's right. He wanted to work with them on making sure, okay, that this illegal amnesty gets through by using, of course, the same old rules of the Congress, the same old, the same old crap that you and I get frustrated with. That while Benjamin Netanyahu is speaking here, and they're receiving all the good graces of conservatives everywhere, praying that Benjamin Netanyahu would actually win that election, they're working together to make sure that funding for the illegal amnesty was not being stripped out of a bill. A bill that actually had to do with funding Amtrak, which why the hell we're still funding that endeavor is beyond me. But inside the bill, of course, as they do with many of these bills, they hide little gems on the inside. The Republicans wanting a clean bill, or at least the conservative wing of the Republican Party, fine, let's vote on the Amtrak, but we're not going to fund your, your amnesty. Boehner, undercover, while all of the Benjamin Netanyahu uh, claptrap was going on, he's negotiating with Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats to make sure that this funding stays in place. This is what they do. This is what they do. You see what I'm saying? There you go. Karl Rove has got his fingers all over the place. Surrogates of all these folks, because you see, those people who are involved in Capitol Hill never really leave. All some of them, their their congressmen may maybe booted out from election cycle to election cycle, but they never leave the District of Columbia. They always end up, in some capacity, lobbying in consulting groups, the same old people, over and over again. They don't want the system to change, because if true reform comes, if true change comes, they're all going to be out looking for work. It is just that crash, ladies and gentlemen. It's just down to human nature. We see this group out there. There's a couple of them. One, of course, is Rose American Crossroads. American Crossroads, of course, another one of these packs who 
supposedly is working to make America more conservative and stand up for conservative values, yet it seems that that particular PAC uses a hell of a lot of money to trash conservative candidates in races all around the country. Anytime one of the establishment folks are in trouble in a primary, they come running to American Crossroads, who immediately funds their campaign because if Karl Rove has one particular power, it is to somehow get people with loads of money to give him large portions of it so that he can do this kind of work. We see that some of Boehner's cronies, they're out working for a group called American Action Network. One of McCain's former finance chairs also involved in this group. And what do they do? Well, they're out there, of course, attacking conservative congressmen in districts in which they are being, they're running against establishment candidates. These groups, especially the American Action Network, it's not a secret, it's not even a half a secret, that they work and they coordinate with John Boehner. American Action Network is heavy on the pro-amnesty side of things, working hard to make sure that all amnesty, open borders all the time. This is what they believe in. This is what they do. We see this and we become discouraged. I know I do from time to time. Some days more than others. The point is, how can we fight the Democrats? How can we fight the left if we can't come to an understanding of what we are going to stand for in opposition? These attacks that are already out, they're well-coordinated, you know? The lose with Cruz hashtag, which is now trending on Twitter, all of the cute little stuff that gets thrown out by political pundits, and these are not always people of the left, as we pointed out. We have to clean up the process. It's difficult. It's very, very difficult to do. You've got to change the upper strata of Republican leadership. But you've got to do that from the bottom up. And that's what makes it a difficult process. Rince Priebus is a little twerp. The man running the Republican National Committee, right? He's a twerp. He's an establishment hack. He's a twerp. In order to get to him, we're going to have to start changing local and state parties. That kind of leadership, that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of on-the-ground work. And quite frankly, and I, I aim this directly at myself as well, it takes a hell of a lot more than getting on the radio or on the Internet and ranting or posting on a blog. It takes getting out there and being involved. I know it's difficult. They count on that. They count on the fact that many of us have got to work and work really hard to survive in the wonderful world of Obama's economy. They count on these things. You've got to change our side. You've got to change the leadership if we are to hope, hope, and hope is all I have right now, that we can begin to change the course of what is going on in our nation. We can't effectively fight the left when every time we have somebody who stands up as a conservative, they get their kneecaps taken out from under them. Okay? 
That's what happens. There is, there is so much work that has to be done. So much work. Many people who I know, especially some of my neighbors here, a lot of Republicans where I live, this is a heavily Republican district, they are just as frustrated. We have problems here on the local level as well because the the Republican Party apparently has bought into the idea that big government is here to stay. That government largesse is the way to go. As long as I said before, it's properly managed and they distribute it to who they see fit. Somebody high up in this party, the Karl Rove types, have convinced a large swath of the Republican Party that they must agree to unfettered illegal immigration and amnesty if we are to survive as a party. In other words, the shifting demographics indicate that we have got to pander because if we don't, we will cease to exist. We will become effectively a regional party. Well, let me clue Karl Rove Mitch McConnell and the rest into something. You know how you become a regional party? You keep on doing what you're doing now. You keep on standing for nothing. You keep, you, you know, you raise up a, you know, a, a flag, right? And that flag is kind of, kind of pale. Doesn't really, doesn't really stand out from the rest of the flags you see waving out there. What draws you to that banner, into that huge tent they all keep talking about? Because if there's one cliche that I'm ready to get rid of in modern politics, it's the idea of a big tent. Not that you don't need a big tent. Don't get me wrong. You need a wide coalition to win on office like the president. However, the way that you create a big tent, I think, is open for debate. Right? How do you do that? Well, maybe it's that you have really, really big ideas. And those big ideas, see, they cross gender and race and sexuality, right? They cross ethnic identification. They're big ideas. They're ideas about economic freedom and opportunity, about America's place in the world. Those are big ideas that will attract a wide swath of people. You don't need to pander to each individual group. You don't have to go out and take every hot-button issue of the day and support it blindly because you think a poll tells you that's what you got to do. I understand the difference between politics and its reality and what we talk about here in terms of our ideology, our belief structure, but I am telling you, big tent means big ideas. The Republican Party right now has no big ideas. The main thing they want you to know is that come hell or high water, the government is not going to shut down. May I suggest to those people in the Republican Party that, in fact, if you don't stop what you're doing, if you don't stop the profligate spending and the printing of fiat currency, the government is going to shut down, and it's going to shut down and in a hurry. And when it does... The aftermath is going to be something absolutely horrible. But we're worried about what? Shut the government down. We're going to lose in the polls. We're going to lose in the polls because we don't articulate the big ideas. 
we can sit here, you and I, and have arguments about whether Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, whether, whether those were good ideas or not. I happen to think they're horrible ideas. But the reality of it is those programs are here. There are millions of people who depend on them. And we have to also come to the realization that, for God's sakes, they're not going to survive in their current state. Changes are going to have to be made. We look at generational theft that's going on, saying that Republicans, conservatism can't appeal to younger people. Generational theft is an idea that young people might be kind of interested in, don't you think? If only someone would articulate it. I was watching a video that uh, our good friend Stephen Vandergast put out. I wish I had the link. I'm sorry, I don't right this second. And it was uh, from Reason Television, which is which is uh, a libertarian uh, magazine, has a website. Somebody over there was touting conservatarian a moniker that he was pasting on himself a while back. It was a really interesting interview, about 20 minutes long. I was fascinated by it because I think it's Nick Gillespie who's on Reason TV interviewing, and, and this is really bad of me because I, I had this stuff earlier and I don't know what I did with it, interviewing a gentleman who had written the Conservatarian Manifesto. They were talking about these ideas of conservatism versus libertarianism and how to appeal to folks and I thought there were some good points being made. You know, one of the points is appealing to young people. And that's true. You have to have a vibrant party. You've got to have people coming into the party. You've got to have new blood. You have to have, you've got to have a wide swath of people. The idea is how do you go about it? How do you appeal? Once again, big ideas. Liberty and freedom are huge ideas. Why don't you talk about them more? Let me talk about what that actually means. Why don't we talk about states having rights, once again, under our federal constitution? That some areas, some decisions, the federal government has no right to be in. Right? I don't remember, <laughs> I think I've read the document a few times, the constitution saying anything about marriage. And yet, here we are with the Supreme Court about ready to decide for the state's definition of marriage. Is that liberty that a nine members of the Supreme Court will decide an issue that is not mentioned in our Constitution that was never supposed to be taken up by the federal government? Is that, is that, is that what we want? Is that what we, as Republicans, are going to talk about, or conservatives, conservatarians, whatever you want to call yourself? Or are we going to decide finally that the government has a certain role and by God, stick to that role? And as Republicans, conservatives, whatever you like to paste yourself as once again, shouldn't we be making that case? Shouldn't we be explaining to young people, to people everywhere, how much better your life would be if the federal government were to get out of the way? When is the last time you saw a full-throated defense of the free market? I'm not talking about the crony capitalism they engage in, but a true free market, a true competitive free market. 
Last time you had people explain how capital was really formed, you know, how, when have you heard that from Republicans? A defense of that system, an a, a understanding of that system. You haven't. And the candidates and the people who do step up into the breach to discuss that they are marginalized and put, as our friend G. Ski calls it, into the crazy box. Is it crazy to align yourself with the founding of this country? Apparently, according to the talking heads and the media elites and the GOP elite, it is. How many times have we been told by the Republican establishment the era of Reagan is over? They also must be telling us the era of Jefferson, Mason, Madison, Franklin, Adams, that era must be over as well. The reason that those people I mentioned go on in perpetuity is that their ideas were big. They were important. That's why they will be remembered when the John Boehners of the world have been deposited on the dustbin of history. You have to be able to make the arguments to get involved. I'm not saying in the end that anything is safe. I personally believe the only way that things are going to be saved is if we wrest power from the federal government and place it back with the states where it belongs in the first place. But we have to have a party that people can coalesce around. How do you make that argument? That's what I hear. How do I make the argument to people everywhere about what the Republican Party should be? Well, let me... Let me play you a little audio from way back in the day, as they say, from a man who pretty much knew the problem and how to fix it. A couple of minutes long, and I think it's a message that the GOP needs to hear today. You know, in spite of all our greatness, our people feel a sense once again or a desire to feel a sense of greatness a sense and a pride in their own capacity for performing great needs. We Republicans, I think, can do something about this, but not if we try to be all things to all people. There are some in our midst who've suggested that we should broaden our base, except that what they mean by broadening our base is to blur the image, to make us indistinguishable from the other party. Some have suggested that the 1974 election, the disastrous results, were an indictment of what we stand for. Well, may I suggest that the meaning of the last election will not be found among those who voted. It will be found in my polling those who stayed home, the biggest non-voter block in our nation's history. And why did they stay home? Well, because they said they couldn't see any difference between the two parties. I think they're basically wrong, but I think this is also an indication of what our answer should be to those who would make us more like the opponents. I am a convert to republicanism. I spent most of my adult life as a Democrat, and I can testify that when I found I could no longer follow the leadership of the Democratic Party, I became a Republican not because the parties were the same, but precisely because they were different. More than half of those who didn't vote have been polled and say it no longer makes any difference which party wins. Now some have taken another course. There are some among us, and I respect their views, 
who suggest that that means an end to the Republican Party, that we should form a new third party. May I suggest an alternative to that? Let's have a new first party, a Republican Party, raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels, a banner instantly recognizable as standing for certain values which will not be compromised. Yes, we must broaden our base, but let's broaden it the way we did in 1972. Because those Americans, Democrats and Independents and Republicans, are still out there looking for a banner around which to rally. And we have what they want, what they're seeking. But they don't know that. And sometimes I wonder if we know it. I think that's pretty much right to the point. Thank you, Ronald Reagan, the man who had a really good way with words. Huh? Words are important. You have to be a party whose banner has bold colors, bold ideas, big ideas. That is how you form a coalition. That is how you get Reagan Democrats, how you get people who vote across quote-unquote party lines because they believe in freedom and liberty. And while we can disagree on many of the issues, and I want to thank Ron, the great golf dog, he popped up the link for the uh, the interview I was talking about on the conservatarianism from our uh, via our friend Stephen Vandergast, always uh, throwing up interesting things on Facebook. We may not agree on all the specifics of every issue, but I think we can agree that the more liberty we have, the better. To paraphrase Thomas Jefferson, he would rather attend to the problems of too much liberty, right? It's better always to probably side too much liberty. People have got to understand the differences between the parties. You can't get people excited to get out and vote if you don't show them something. And that's been the problem. The last couple of election cycles, right, especially this last one with Mitt Romney, you know, milquetoast Republican from the Northeast. Could be a nice enough guy. I don't know. I've never met Mitt Romney. Never met him. Never talked to him. What I can tell you is, after talking to many people who are not, you know, political junkies like most of us here, the problem is when they looked at Mitt Romney and they looked at Barack Obama, they really couldn't tell that much of a difference, and sometimes it's better to just go with what you know, right? They couldn't see some stark difference that was going to take the country on a different road, that was going to give them a unique view of what is possible, so we may as well just stick with what we have. In the meantime, when you're talking about a, a base of individuals who stayed home because they're just tired of being given that Hobson's choice comes to political candidates. You've got to come up with ideas. You can't be afraid of big ideas. And then, you know, that's the problem that you have with the McConnells and the Bainers of the world. And now we have Pete King, who, by the way, I believe there should be a law. And, and just go with me on this. Where people who make outrageous claims of what they're going to do like when celebrities say if a candidate's elected, they have, they're going to leave the country. I believe it should be a law. We have to hold them to this. Case in point, Pete King, marginal Republican, right, who said if Ted Cruz gets the nomination, he's going to jump off a bridge. Now, if there's any other reason to vote for Ted Cruz in a primary, I think it would be just to see Pete King jump off a bridge. I think we should hold him to it, though. Another loudmouth. A jerk, in my opinion, who offers nothing. 
right? It offers nothing of substance. We should hold them to that, though. I think it's a law that needs to be worked on. So here we are, big ideas. We've talked about them. Now, once again, you look at the, uh, the, the uh, interview on conservatarianism, and you're not going to agree with everything that gets said. I certainly didn't. Some of it I did. Some of it I, I found very thought-provoking. Now, there's a lot of issues going around right now, whether it's drug legalization, gay marriage. I think everyone here knows my position on gay marriage. But okay, we can have that fight. I've always said it should be a state-by-state issue, but apparently uh, the federal government, as I said earlier, has got to get involved. Drug legalization? Once again, not sure. I can understand the arguments for Right? I can understand that. I can understand that young people tend to latch on to these issues. Here's the problem. I pointed this out on Facebook today. While it's important to court young voters, young voters don't remain young. Right? I can tell you personally, I don't think the same as I did 25 years ago. Right? When I'm in my 20s. I don't, I don't think the same way. My thinking has changed over time. My experience, what I've learned, what I've seen has changed my viewpoints on many issues. Such is the problem in forming a political coalition. How do you strike that balance? That's the difficult part, isn't it? That's the difficult part. I don't know that there's any one answer right, to that problem. I am telling you that young people don't remain young. What is it that Winston Churchill once said? If you're, if you're 20 and, and, and not a liberal, you don't have a heart. If you're 40 and not a conservative, you don't have a brain. You know? Conservatism is all about experience and reason and prudence. Not such the hot thing with young folks who tend to be much more passionate about issues. They tend to let their emotions be much more involved. That's just the natural course of things. Do we need young people in our party? Absolutely. Should we be trying to attract them? Every day. Should you sell out every principle that you stand for to do it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Stand for something. Stand for something. Yes, liberty is a big issue. And inside of that, there might be parts of liberty, parts of of promoting liberty that we may not all agree on. But I would rather attend the problem of too much liberty. And we'll let things work out as they will. Because I believe human experience has taught us certain lessons that are inevitable. We've got to pay attention to these things. We really, really do. All right. Well, listen, as we're into this program, we're only going to go an hour and a half tonight because I give you people a break from actually having to listen to me for an hour and a half, and that way everybody breaks at 1030, and you guys can go on with your actual lives, which I'm sure has something more to do than blog talk radio programs. I do want to mention really quickly some folks who have taken the time to come by this evening. Of course, the moniker Airwaves America can only be the one, the only uh, bacon boy, G-Ski Rocks. We see Angry Mom. Mom, how are you? Glad to see you here. Mom, the golf dogs is here. No Way 90, that's, uh, that is the great No Way 90 from way up in the frozen areas north in the great state of Maine. Of course, our buddy from the other frozen area of Minnesota, known as the Reactionary. And then, finally, last, definitely not least, uh, is a woman from the really, really, really frozen north, uh, that being Canada. And, of course, that would be Kel 
the Red Fox, all of them here. Tonight, I want to thank them for coming by. And uh, as we discuss cleaning up our own house, getting involved. I know that that's one thing that our good friend Noe actually does. He gets involved in local politics and fights the fight. And maybe that's what some of us have to do, you know. Maybe some of us have to be more involved and actually run for office and actually, you know, actually take, <laughs> do what Noe does and, and say, look, I'm going to put my, my money where my mouth is. I'm going to go out and try to make a difference, Okay. That's what maybe we're going to have to do. Now, some of us, like me, uh, totally unelectable, if you open my closet, skeletons are going to come dancing out of there. That would preclude me from ever running for office. But we all have a part to play, right? We all have a part to play. We need to start thinking about where that part is. What do we actually bring to the table? What are we going to do? What makes a difference if we're going to clean up our own house? You know... That brings me to uh, what I wanted to talk about here in the last segment of this program. And I saved this for the last. got a lot of people here who have been kind enough to support the program for, I don't know, since its inception. I've almost been doing this on Blog Talk Radio for four years. Uh, It's been a long time. Stops and starts. I have left for a while and came back. The show has gone away and came back and back and forth. Start, stop, start, stop. Right? But been thinking a lot these last few days, and I've been thinking about this for a while now, so I thought this would be a good time to bring it all up as I do this program tonight. Speaking from my own point of view tonight, talking about what needs to be done. What needs to be done. I started thinking about all the programs that I've done, all the shows, some, I think we're up to 150 plus programs. And I keep wondering, what's it really all been about? What have you done? Now, I've gotten involved in some other things from time to time. But blog talk radio in and of itself is a very limited format. I know that RZ and I have talked about this a number of times. It's got some great things about it. You know, the studio combat, the chat, some things are great. But as a format, it's very limited. And, And sometimes you feel a little constrained with the format that you're working in. And I, I know, like Stephen Vandergast is talking about, I'm a little frustrated sometimes about the entire process. A lot of people come in and they support the program, and they they do it out of a sense of of kinship, of friendship, of you know they want to support one another. But is it really moving the message forward? Are we really making a difference in the way that we need to make a difference? And I've come to a very uncomfortable answer to that, and that is no, it isn't. This particular format was an exercise, and a good one. I think it allowed me to get into areas and to meet people and learn things I don't think I would have otherwise learned. But as a medium, I think Blog Talk Radio and I have run its course. I don't know how much more I can get out of the program, stops and starts, notwithstanding for personal reasons. But this time, the decision is to move on to other things, other projects. The time has come to evolve and to get off in different areas. I've had some ideas for a while that I've been wanting to play with, and sometimes time is tight, and you can't always do what you want to do. So this is it, folks. Tonight, here from the conservative Watchtower Studios, I am going to turn the lights out. Now, we're going to have – I'm not going away from this page completely – 
I've decided there's some other formats and some other things that I think would work better for my style, uh, for some things that I do well, than just coming on here and talking once a week or a couple times a month as it has been lately here on Blog Talk Radio. So let me say, first of all, to all the people who've been supportive, I thank you for coming to the programs. I remember some great times that we've shared. I remember some awesome shows that we've had. I don't think I will ever forget the rolling brawl. That much I can tell you. That was often fun. I remember a lot of the the people that we've met along the way, some of which have seemed to have fallen off into the abyss somewhere, I do believe, somewhere. And uh, I just think it's time. I think it's time to get on with something else. I've had some, as I said, I've had some plans to work in other mediums. I think RZ has, has and I have talked about some of this, and, and uh, I just don't think the blog talk radio has what we're looking for. I think, in the end, it's not getting done what we need to get done. Now, I'm not denigrating people who work in the medium. God bless all of you. I love listening to the programs of GST, RZ, No Way. Of course, uh, you know, Red Fox, with, you know, she's the, you know she, she's the infidel your imam warned you about, the EDL, all those folks. They do great work. But for me, I think it's time to evolve a little bit and move into some different areas. So some things that are, are currently on the table are to do some more work in other mediums. Maybe some things that I will announce in the upcoming weeks I'll put out through some social media sites, my Facebook sites. But it has been a long, strange trip, has it not? When I first got on this thing, uh, man, I was living in Germany at the time. And I was doing a show uh, right about the time of the 2010 midterms, trying to come up with a way to say some things that I thought I wanted to say. It's just amazing when you think about what's what's going on in the country at the time, what was happening. I felt I needed to have an outlet to speak about that. The show kind of, you know, came along. I've gone through my, my growth spurts. If anyone doubts that, you can go back and I believe I left all the shows up. I don't take any of them down. You should hear all of them works and all. You know, some things I think got good for a while and about the time of the 2012 elections, I think things were pretty much at its peak, you know, in terms of listenership and, and, and exposure and then I had some issues that I had to deal with. And since I came back from that, I really, honestly, folks, I have not been the same. I haven't felt the same about the medium I haven't felt the same about what we're doing. I think looking at all these really wonderful, talented, smart people, uh, and somehow we're just not having the kind of effect that you would have hoped for. And because of that, since time is such a price, you know, such a precious and priceless resource, you have to focus your time in areas that you think you're making the best difference. What's the best use of your time? I mean, we all have things, once again, we have to do. What can we do? And I think for me, I'm going to move on into areas, probably some YouTube things and other things that I can go ahead and produce at my own speed and my own time and get out there to folks to take a look at. You know, I, I really admire what what, uh, what Agador does out there and some of the things that he does. And keeping a presence in social media and keeping a presence out there. I've been thinking for a while now about doing some writing 
and that's projects that, of course, re- you know, require a lot of time to do. There's been a couple of ideas that have been germinating for quite some time, and in terms of some books I would like to write, uh, it's been some things on the bucket list, you might say, as I now pushing that 50-year-old range. I have a more urgent bucket list to take care of. And, uh, you know, um, I want to work on these projects, and that requires, as I said, a lot of time. And, you know, doing a a, a live show, um, if you're doing it every week or a couple times a month, takes a lot of prep time, a lot of work. And I just don't feel that it's having the effect. But, as I said, you know, I still will have a presence. I still will come around from time to time. It's just these projects have got to take precedent at this point in time. And I thought this would be an appropriate time, um, you know, uh, to do those things. So I hope that you folks will understand. And and I did make, that was a horrible mistake, yeah. Anyway, um, so that's what I wanted to announce tonight, uh, that perhaps, I know no way you say it is, we're dropping like flies in sub-zero weather. You know what? I think it's just some people need to move on and, and you've got other things you want to work on. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we're abandoning the fight. I certainly plan not to. A lot of the show tonight had to, to point in a direction to get more involved here locally. You know, I live in a heavily Republican district. And um, to be honest with you, you see the same problems. You know, I'm represented here in my district by Mark Sanford, the former governor of the state of South Carolina, who, on the surface, appears very conservative, but when you look at the voting record, sometimes you're like, wow, okay, you know what? You can't come around and talk about the size of government, how out of control the spending and everything else is that he likes to harp on. And I'll be honest with you, when you look at the fact he voted for John Boehner, he's voted for some positions on this import-export bank, he's taken a pro-amnesty tone to uh, some of his policy. You know what? It's time to challenge these folks. You know, he runs unopposed every year here in this district. Not, I mean, there's, you know, you know, uh, and, and so things like that have got to be addressed. There are movements here in the local area, especially in terms of our own county council. I know no way uh, understands this where things are really uh, important. They're important on a very local level because th- these are things, we're talking about property taxes, regulations, zoning, some things there with so-called Republicans that need to be that need to be addressed, and so those are areas that I think we can work in as well. These are the kind of projects, and, and as I said, some other sort of things as I want to check off my bucket list, and, and of course, some of that, as I said, was writing some books and uh, a couple of ideas I've had to do that, and so we have got to to get that going, and that's what we're going to be doing. So I wanted to thank everybody. And I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate all of you. Uh, I consider you guys good friends. And even though we don't speak every day, we don't live in the same neighborhood, it's the weird thing about the way the Internet has kind of made that neighborhood we live in a bit bigger, right? You know what I mean? It's just a bit bigger. And I consider you all friends and neighbors, and, and you know, many of you have helped guide me along the way. I've learned a lot from you. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how much friendships have meant people like G-Ski and No Way and RZ and, you know, I've got to know Red Fox and then Jeff across the pond and, and a lot of people who 
I think about you guys. I keep you in the thoughts and prayers. And, you know, it's it's weird because I've never actually sat down in the same room with all of you. That's the weird thing about the world we live in today. You know, we speak a lot. We talk a lot. We we uh, go back and forth with one another sometimes, and yet we've never had the privilege of sitting together and breaking a little bread and doing what friends and family do. But you are considered that. And maybe I'm like that strange uncle who lives far away, who you, know, you never quite know what he's up to, right? And he kind of wonders what he's doing. That's kind of like me. That's the role I would play. But, it, you know, it's just that's the way we're going to do it. And I wanted to thank you all and tell you all that you do mean a lot to me. But we are gonna, we're going to roll on and do some other things. So don't think for a moment that I've gone away. I am merely changing some tactics and changing some tacts. And remembering everything that we've done here, I believe nothing is – I shouldn't say that. But I, I don't believe that we, we did all of this for nothing. Let me put it that way. I believe this was a training ground. I've certainly learned to debate issues, I think, in a much higher level by doing these programs and attending these programs and sharpening our skills. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. But the time is nigh. And it's not a decision I reached easily. I wrestled with this for a long time, but it has got to be this way as we move on. And hopefully someday... I always think this is going to happen. Maybe it's just a fantasy. Maybe it's just one of those things you do that maybe someday, somewhere, we'll all have a gathering where we all get to meet, sit down for a little while, break a little bread, tell a few stories. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Maybe that's what it's all about. I I, uh, I understand the frustrations. Like I said, our good friend Stephen Vandergast has had them as well. He tried a very bold experiment. Uh, took a very bold tact trying to get the message out and have a conversation. And I think we all find some some uh, some problems with that. So anyway, as we say, love you all. Uh, hope and pray for each and every one of you every day. I am going to uh, go ahead and play some stuff on the way out here. I know it's a little bit early, but why not uh, wrap it on up? You guys know what I mean by this. We've got to work on this GOP. We have to have a resistance. We have to have an op- uh, you know an opposition party. It's got to be that. You know, I, I looked at that conservatarian video. We do have to bond and have some alliances with libertarians. I know I've given them the business from time to time, but we are much more natural allies than we are opponents, and we need to try to find a way to forge that coalition because we all, libertarians and conservatives, we do have the same message. Which is we want liberty. We want freedom. We believe in natural rights. That's really what it's all about. That's what's made this. That's why this is an exceptional place. That's why this is the great shining city on a hill. Doesn't mean it's not without problems. Every society has. You know, every society has problems. But I believe that we in this country have experienced something unique to human history. And we don't appreciate it sometimes nearly enough, conservatives, Democrats alike. So, as I say, thank you for the support. Thank you guys for just being you. Yeah. And uh, we're going to go out of here. I'm going to 
play my some ending stuff. And uh, you guys can always reach me on Facebook, which I'm on. You can reach me on Twitter. Or if you really want to reach me, you can just email me. It is my name, Dana Smearman at yahoo.com. I put it out there. If you want to email me, you certainly can. And I would be more than happy to respond to you so you guys don't think I went off and, and died or ended up in witness protection or anything like that. I'm still out here. I would be more than happy uh, to, from time to time to uh, show up at your programs and bat it around with you if you like. But uh, I am now going to uh, to move on to a new phase. And uh, you guys are still part of it. I'm still going to be you know, in contact with you. It's just we're not going to have this particular program, which, by the way, is finally going dark. I know we've had stops and starts, but this is the end, my friends. And uh, But an ending to me is just a, you know, a new beginning, it's just something else that we're going to be doing. So I want to thank you guys. And um, you know what? Let's end with this stuff because I love this piece. I'm going to play this, and then I'm going to play the end, the end that I always play because I like that too. And then we'll see you out there sometime, somewhere. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat, and I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said, watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans With Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams And it almost fell at the Alamo Beside the Texas flag, but she waved on though She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard and Bragg And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam And now they've about quit waving back here at home In her own good land here she's been abused She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused And the government for which she stands Is scandalized throughout the land And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin But she's in good shape for the shape she's in She's been through the fire before And I believe she can take a whole lot more So we raise her up every morning We take her down every night We don't let her touch the ground And we fold her up right 
on a second thought. I do like to brag, cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. grateful for this magnificent washout, a turnout, and uh, now I'd like to say a few words. Hello? I must be going. I cannot say I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. La la. For my sake, you must stay. If you should go away, you spoil this party. I am throwing. I'll stay a week or two. I'll stay the summer through. But I am telling you. Must be away. I'll do anything you say. In fact, I'll even say. But I must be away. I am William Wallace. And I see. A whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? and you may die. Run, and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your bed many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take Freedom! Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders. Not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats?
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.